You are Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke and Cameron Parker of Predominantly Orange, your daily Broncos podcast. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back to a very, very special Saturday morning episode of Locked on Broncos. Just want to drop in here and say, look, this is game number four of the Broncos preseason slate against the Rams. And I had the opportunity of jumping on with Locked on Rams host Brad Motter to break down this game. Talk about some of the biggest storylines with both teams, knowing that the Rams came off of a tough Super Bowl loss. We compared the almost the same exact scenario with the Broncos, Super Bowl 48, and redeemed themselves in Super Bowl 50, talking about the talent between these two teams, at pass rusher, the secondary, and obviously the ties that bind all of us with Coach Fangio and our good friend over there, Wade Phillips. So with that said, I'm your host, Cody Rourke, and I want you guys to have an amazing Saturday. Broncos on the road tonight to take on the LA Rams. 7 o'clock Mountain Time kickoff. I thought it was 7.30. It is actually 7 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time, and you guys can expect full-on coverage, live tweeting, and a post-game report following the conclusion of the matchup. We're not going to see any of the starters, but we have a lot to break down, especially as roster cuts near. Which guys are going to separate themselves to make the 53-man roster? There's about 10 to 13 spots that, that are going to be open. They're going to be up for grabs. Who's it going to be? Who's your favorite? So if you listen to this episode of the show, tweet me at Cody Work NFL what your thoughts are on that, who it may be. But for the meantime, I'm going to let you guys enjoy this crossover episode with Lockdown Rams, Brad Mott and myself. All right, welcome back everybody. We are in a locked on crossover. Probably my favorite thing to do here on the show. I say it every time, but we are excited as we've got another game this Saturday, Rams versus Broncos. We have got Cody Rourke of Locked On Broncos with us. Cody, how you doing? I'm good, man. You know, I tell you what, it's been a busy week between the Broncos playing the 49ers on Monday and then having to play the Rams on Saturday and then following up with a game several days later against the Cardinals. I tell you what, it's been busy all across the network, man, but always a fun pleasure to jump on and talk Broncos and Rams with you because, look, there are some ties that bind us together. Yeah, you talked about being busy, man. I mean, right before we started this, you said, what, like three games in 10 days or something crazy like that? You guys have wow. five preseason games. I mean, no one likes the preseason. You guys got an extra game. Uh, that seems kind of crazy. You talked about uh, not a lot of starters are, we'll probably see here in this game, and that's probably for a good reason. Uh, but taking a look at the team, I mean, uh, you know, you had some injuries on the offense to some of your rookies, but defensively, uh, you guys are looking stronger and stronger, looking ready for that, uh, you know, regular season. How do you feel about your defense and how things are coming together, even if we're not seeing the starters? You know, I think it would have been a treat to see the Broncos and the Rams, all the starters battling at L.A. Coliseum because, look, you talk about two great defensive coordinators in Wade Phillips, Vic Fangio, Ed Donatel. I mean, Vic Fangio is the guy that calls Ed Donatel is the guy that pretty much calls it in for him, though. The thing that we'd like to see, you know, really from this Broncos defense, look, they're a 3-4 style defense. They go a lot of nickel, and they are aggressive. I mean, when I look in comparison between the Wade Phillips defense, Vic Fangio defense, there are a lot of similarities. 
and you know what? They, they have the guys. I mean, you look at Wade Phillips, they have a dominant guy there in the, uh, you know, we talk about uh, Aaron Donald, how dominant he is. But then for the Broncos, you talk about Bradley Chubb, Von Miller off the edge. And we saw, if any of you guys happen to tune in to Monday night's game against the 49ers, Bradley Chubb got to Jimmy Garoppolo real quickly. So if you're watching that game as an L.A. Rams fan, knowing that you play in the division, you know that their offensive line's a little shaky and that they, they really have a hard time stopping those power pass rushers. So for a guy like Aaron Donald, it certainly means good news for them within that division. But, you know, the aggressiveness, Chris Harris Jr. is back on a one-year deal. There was some concern in the offseason of him holding out and, and maybe not even playing. You know, he requested that you either pay me or you trade me. So the Broncos, they paid him to a, a market value similar to where he's one of the highest paid corners right now in the league just on a one-year basis. He, after this season, his contract's going to be up and he's going to be looked to be extended long-term or he could test the free agency waters. He could end up in L.A. I mean, why not reunite with the keep to leave and Wade Phillips? That would be a dream come true. But things have changed with Chris Harris Jr. He, he loves Vic Fangio. He says that Vic Fangio has been one of the best coaches, one of the best things outside of Wade Phillips to ever happen to him. And he really feels like he's going to be really good in this scheme where you're going to see him in the slide, you're going to see him outside, you're going to play him man, you're going to play him zone, you're going to blitz him. The opportunities are endless. And, and behind that, too, they brought in Kareem Jackson from Houston the offseason. He's been the Swiss Army knife, kind of strong safety type player for the Broncos. Justin Simmons playing in a contract year. Very, very athletic. had a great training camp. Will Parks, also one of those guys stepping up uh, that really came big on the NFL scene last year with a big hit against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And outside of that, too, you have your inside backers where that was kind of the question mark, Brad. You know, going into the NFL draft, they're saying, why didn't they draft Devin Bush? The Broncos have a lot of faith in Josie Jewell and Todd Davis. Now, Todd Davis, unfortunately, First day of practice goes out with a calf strain. He's missed three or four weeks, and and his status for Monday Night Football against the uh, the the Raiders on the season opener is kind of in question. But outside of that, Josie Jewell was dealing with an oblique injury, so now the Broncos have had to utilize a lot of young guys in the inside backer, and they've been getting some valuable reps. Alexander Johnson, Keyshawn Bieria. You're going to see a lot of these guys in Saturday's matchup against the Rams. And outside of that, you know Devontae Bosby, Isaac Yadam, you know second year player in Yadam. Really turned the corner, has had a great camp. Sua Cravens being a Swiss Army knife as well. One of those guys is going to come in and be a run-stopping hybrid type guy. And then on the opposite, Devontae Bosby too. So, you know, really defensively, things are exciting. At Broncos country, I think the NFL world, when they saw against the 49ers when the starters were in, there was a lot of excitement with what this defense could possibly be. Yeah, I mean, looking at that game that you guys played against the Niners, I mean, we definitely were licking our chops ready to go see Jimmy Garoppolo because he looked a little unsturdy back there as well when you put some pressure on him. And we get to see those guys twice a year. So uh, definitely, uh, you know, some film that I know the Rams are going to be watching when when they look to match up versus the 49ers. And as far as Chris Harris goes, he is more than welcome here in L.A. We'd open him open arms here. <laughs> I remember when that was kind of, you know, all that news was breaking that a lot of people were getting excited about that because we already had, you know, kind of plucked to leave. We had gotten, went, went and got Marcus Peters. They'd shown that they're not afraid to go get a big time player on the defense, especially one that has some ties, uh, you know, to Wade Phillips. So that would have been pretty cool, but thankfully our defense is looking pretty good right now. We're not too, not too upset about that. We did have the injury to Micah Kaiser, who was in, in line for one of our uh, starting linebacker positions. So, uh, potentially this game, we're going to see some more guys. And it's actually, you talk about these preseason games, we joked at the beginning that, you know, you want most of the people not to play and you want to get healthy and they don't mean a lot. And we'd rather just skip right through the regular season. But this is going to be big for a lot of these guys at the linebacker position, Bryce Hager, 
uh, Landis Durham, Nitris Patrick, uh, those guys that are really trying to fight to make a roster spot. Obo Okoronkwo, who missed all of last year uh, with a foot injury, missed first big part of training camp really as well. And finally got some, some playing time down in Hawaii when we placed, uh, played the Cowboys and played really well. So uh, for our defense, really it's, it's kind of important for these guys. We know, you know, John Johnson and Eric Weddle at the safety position. We know Aaron Donald is, you know, a no brainer and looking to, you know, put up 20 sacks again. Uh, We're excited about the addition of Clay Matthews and what he can bring Uh, being in a non-pressure situation, which I feel I've continued to talk about here on the show, but you know, he's not the big time starter for the Packers anymore. He's not expected to be, you know, it's kind of like, at the end of Brian Erlacher's career, you know, and he kind of signed off while he was still at top. But if he kind of went through a couple struggle town uh, years with the Bears and then played somewhere else, there would be a different pressure. And I feel that's kind of what Clay Matthews uh, is feeling out here. You know, he's from the California area, so it's kind of coming back home for him. And he's got a lot of playmakers around him. Dante Fowler uh, on a one year deal, kind of a franchise tag without being a franchise tag. Uh, but we, you know, we're expecting him to step it up. So this defense is is ready. And you talked about it. it's almost like we're getting robbed here a little bit. It would have been really awesome for us to see both these guys show down on Saturday if it was true defense versus true defense. If you look back to last year, this game came right down to the very end. Uh, one of the coldest oh, games in Denver in a long time, especially for the Rams <laughs> to play up there. But it's going to be a little bit different weather this weekend out here in L.A. But, man, uh, if these guys were lacing up for real, it would be uh, something to really talk about. Well, you know, in that game, too, we saw the emergence of Bradley Chubb and kind of getting some work against veteran Andrew Whitworth. Now, one question I want to ask you defensively before we get into segment number three in just a moment. We're going to talk about the Denver O, the L.A. Rams O, because we know it's always a high potent thing. It's been a big focus of the offseason after they came off that Super Bowl loss. But, you know, one of the things, too, defensively, how do you see Aqib Tlaib's role with the Rams kind of extending a little bit? Because really, I saw a lot of him last year in off-man coverage. Do you see him playing a little bit more press, especially with the addition of Eric Weddle, who really is a coach on the field? Yeah, I think it really opens up things for him. That's actually a really good question because, and it's something that we're really interested to see what's going to happen because they've talked about that. And I actually had uh, a clip, I think I played here on the show, but uh, Keep Tlaib was talking about Eric Weddle and what he brings. And we looked at, you know, Akeem being that guy last year. We were always like, oh, look at this veteran leadership, this guy that's been around. And now you got this guy that we were hyping up as far as this veteran leader. And he's looking at Eric Weddle going, look at this guy. He's bringing all this veteran leadership. And it's like, you, you don't really know the impact of that until you see it. And Eric Weddle's one of those guys that loves playing down on the line. He loves putting his nose in there and making tackles. So it kind of allows uh, Tlaib to play a little bit different role. And, and the one thing that was rough to even see what his role was last year is he got hurt missed about eight to nine games last year and a lot of that kind of you know backlash went on to Marcus Peters because Marcus Peters kind of was forced into this role now where he wasn't allowed to play the type of style he likes to play because we're a man down and he's kind of has to step up and get the number one guy so uh, it was interesting last year in the cornerback and I think that was the funny thing is we never really saw what the potential was until the last couple weeks when they finally started to play together and you know their coverage rate just went flying down I mean they were they were doing so great as far as um, you know catch rate over who they were defending and really picked it up and, and really helped propel us into that Super Bowl run. They did wonders against Mike Thomas in the playoffs, even though he torched us in the regular season. That was without Tlaib. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how his role is going to extend this year and really how he can open up uh, and and kind of play different parts of the game that we didn't see last year. And a lot of that is uh, due to the fact of Eric Weddle being back there and, and lining people up different and having a little bit more trust back there in that secondary. So excited, excited for the impact that he can bring. 
Well, I think, too, it also helps if you're in the secondary, you got a guy like Aaron Donald. And I know last year you had Danabak and Sue being in one of those guys. You have a pass rush like Aaron Donald in general who can create such quick penetration through the A-gap and get to the quarterback. I mean, you got to be licking your chops as a defensive back because there's going to be a lot of errant throws or a lot of sacks. But with that said, speaking of all that, we talk about good defense. We talk about offense. And, and the best way to stay fueled, Brad, you know this as well as I do, you got you to gotta eat every single day. And sometimes you know it's impossible with the work schedule. I, I mentioned it with my listeners i coach from 4 30 in the morning i get up i work from 4 30 a.m i get home and i get to bed probably around 10 30 p.m and sometimes i just don't want to make dinner and, and it's rough and you probably relate to this as well making doing the podcast interviewing everybody just the busy schedule that comes with the grind of what we do so i rely a lot on DoorDash and DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city, whether you're in Denver or you're in LA, ordering is easy. So all you got to do is open the DoorDash app and you can choose what you want to eat and your food will be delivered to you wherever you're at. Now, not only is it your favorite pizza place, it's already on DoorDash, but there are over 30, 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities where you might be able to find a new favorite meal place to eat as well. So with door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, you can order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory, one of my personal favorites. But you don't have to worry about dinner anymore. You can let dinner come to you with DoorDash. So right now, listeners of Locked On Broncos and listeners of Locked On Rams can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code Locked On. Don't forget that promo code Locked On for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. All right, Brad, last segment, we were diving into the whole concept of the Broncos defense, the Rams defense. We like defense. Defensive football is fun to watch. A lot of young guys are going to be playing for both teams. But now we get a transition to the fun part. And, you know, I really wanted to ask you a question, Brad, because we watched the Super Bowl. It was almost a defense versus offense. For some reason, in the big games, defense comes up big. And there were a lot of times where the Rams defense was on the field a little bit too much in the Super Bowl game against Tom Brady. The offense couldn't get much going. This has been a big focal point. I'm sure with Rams players, they've been looking at the offensive side of the ball. They, they remember being in the Super Bowl, such a high-scoring offense, and it only produces three points in the biggest game of it all. There are a lot of motivation there for a guy like Sean McVay, for a guy like Jared Goff, Todd Gurley with so many questions uh, coming into this offseason with his knee. What is the Rams' offense looking like, and how are they using that Super Bowl loss as potential fuel? Because, look, the Broncos lost Super Bowl 48, high-scoring offense in NFL history against one of the best defenses in the Seattle Seahawks. And then two years later, bam, they used the motivation to build their defense. And, well, I mean, the Rams already have a great defense at that. But at the same time, they come back and they redeem themselves, win Super Bowl 50. What kind of goals and what kind of emphasis has the coaching staff or Sean McVay, the players, put out there in terms of learning from Super Bowl? loss last year only scoring three points how do they use it as fuel for this year man their fuel has got to be filled to the top right now because i've been defending them all off season and you know you know we watched them all year long we talked about you know this high 
powered offense and then get to the Super Bowl and watch three points. And you and you do mention, you know, when you get the Super Bowl defenses, you always hear that cliche, defense wins championship. And the nice thing is, as we look to reload for next year, our offense is pretty much coming back. We've got a couple different uh, lineups on the offensive line, and that's something that, you know, is going to be a challenge for us. Brian Allen's going to be a first-year starter at center. Joseph Noteboom's going to be a first-year uh, starter at left guard. So those two guys have a lot to really step up and kind of replace, obviously, Saffold was one of the longest uh, tenured Rams that we had for a long time and really came into his own in the last couple of years. But we still got Andrew Whitworth up front. Austin Blythe played really good last year until about the last couple of games. He had a couple um, questionable performances. And Rob Havenstein, who we signed to a long-term contract the year before. So uh, we feel good there. Our, we're getting Cooper Cup back, which is exciting. And I talk a lot about you know the third down, Cooper Cup and Jared Goff and the connection that they made on third down. And when he was gone, how that dramatically dropped almost 20 points on third down conversions when he was gone. So we're excited to see him. We've been talking a lot about Josh Reynolds, who's our fourth wide receiver. And Sean, or Jared Goff called him the other day our fourth starter as far as the wide out goes. And so uh, we love the depth that we have at wide receiver. This offense is going to find its way. I think people are making a bigger deal uh, than really is about Todd Gurley's knee, but we're not going to know until we see it. Um, he was recorded the other day at practice running 21 miles per hour. And I think that sounds like a pretty healthy knee to me. But Ooh, can he take... I know, right? I don't even like doing that in my car. So, you know, I don't know. That, that's going pretty fast. But uh, we'll see how he can hold up through 17 games. It's not so much can you go fast. It's can you take a hit and still go fast. I think that's the first thing we're going to have to see him. And we really might know that answer until week 8, 9, 10, or even later in the season when he kind of started to fall apart last year uh, in those last three, four games when they ended up sitting him out. But we're really excited about this team. And I think you're talking going back to that defense wins championships thing is we got better on defense. You, you talked about Sue, but I don't think Sue really was as impactful as we expected his name to be when you're giving a guy $12 million coming in. You got Aaron Donald pumping out 20 and a half sacks. Sue gets four. I thought Sue would fall into eight sacks with Aaron Donald next to him, right? So uh, we're kind of looking for an upgrade there uh, as far as, you know, we've got a couple young guys, Sebastian Joseph Day and Franklin, uh, John Franklin Myers to kind of step in there. So uh, we're expecting the defense to be better, but these guys are ready to go. Jared Goff said it multiple times in the offseason. He said the toughest thing about the Super Bowl loss is there's no tomorrow. There's no like, all right, let's go back to the film and go out there and get them. You know, like in week 13, if you lose a game, you just kind of regroup and you go, you fix the things. And and he felt the things that made them lose were very much fixable. It wasn't that their offense is terrible. They just had a had a pretty bad game. And Sean McVay talked about it and he said he wished he could recall that game because he kind of, you know, got away with the play calling on things he wanted to do. Todd Gurley got the ball three times in that first half of the Super Bowl. It's not going to get it done. And, you know, it's tough because a lot of the national media is like, oh, Tom Brady does it again. I mean, he was really one throw different in that game, that that deep throw to, to Gronk that set the touchdown. Other than that, it was pretty similar. I mean, that was a defensive uh, struggle. I know Edelman had like 10 catches or whatever. But as we've talked a bunch of time on this show, that was the way the defense was set up. Let them dink and dunk, keep everything underneath and take away the big plays, a.k.a. Gronk down the field. And they got us once. They put it in, and we missed a couple uh, deep balls. So I think they're just just biting at the bit to get out here and prove again that they are one of the top offenses in the league. And I, and I certainly think that they have a lot of fuel. And, and one of the most dangerous things you can have as an NFL team is having a lot of motivation for when you get so close to achieving the goal. I mean, think about a couple of years ago, Brad, we were just talking about how 
bad the Rams had looked under Jeff Fisher, and all of a sudden Sean McVay comes in, high scoring offense, things change, the culture changes, you bring in Wade Phillips, and all of a sudden the L.A. Rams go from a pretender a few years ago to really struggling to all of a sudden now they are a legit serious contender in the NFC, and they are the odds-on favorite right now in the division. You know, the Seahawks are still climbing a little bit, but there are a lot of concerns with them and how much they've changed. The Rams right now are the consistent basis for what you have right there in the NFC West. Now, one of the things, too, we talk about the offensive side of the ball. We talk about quarterbacks. Jared Goff, very much on the rise. For the Broncos, it's a little different. You have experience now with Joe Flacco, veteran quarterback coming in. You drafted in the second round Drew Locke, who is expected to be the quarterback of the future for the Broncos, but he's going to be possibly an IR candidate, possibly designated to return after suffering a severe sprain on his throwing hand in the loss on Monday to the 49ers. With that said, what can we expect? Because in this game, you're going to see for the Broncos, you can see Kevin Hogan, a veteran guy that's bounced around from place to place, start off at Cleveland, and has just been kind of journeying around trying to find his place to jail as a backup. You're going to see him start. You're going to see a little bit of Brett Rippon, the undrafted rookie out of Boise State. For the Rams, even though we'd like to see Joe Flacco and Jared Goff try to outduel one another, who can we expect to see from the Rams side in terms of quarterback and carrying out the McVay terminology? Yeah, well, it's going to be Blake Bortles to start most likely. And the funny thing is I've never been so excited about Blake Bortles in my life than I have in the past uh, six months <laughs> because, you know, he got a lot of slack over at Jacksonville and had up-down seasons. And he made that one really big run where they were a couple plays away from going to the the Super Bowl themselves. You know, they were they were lining up against, you know, New England and New England came back and, and got them. So they were, they were up there for a while. And Blake Bortles knows how to really hold a locker room or, you know, a, an offensive unit together. So I'm excited for him because we had Sean Mannion last year as a backup and in the preseason look just got awful basically so upgrade in in our second string quarterback's been awesome I'm really actually excited to see that that third and fourth quarterback option uh, we got Brandon Allen who's been around the Rams for a couple years now and just seems to hang out around that third and fourth quarterback but always just is right there uh, and then John Wolford uh, came up from the AAF and he's really had some dynamite play so far he, he broke someone's ankle in, in Hawaii and did a little one-two move and, and shook the defender to the ground uh, he's really good running on uh, you know coming and throwing off of his office off, off the run uh, so I'm excited to see that because my big hope is that John Wolford can make that leap over Brandon Allen a guy who's had plenty of opportunities to sh- to prove that he belongs here I would like to see to go with the younger guy and kind of the guy that has a little bit more upside put him on our practice squad uh, so at the quarterback position that's probably what you're going to see and then really as far as the running back goes, you're going to see kind of a mix of a few guys. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to see Malcolm Brown. Most likely not at this point since we're really trying to protect on injury. Uh, but we got John Kelly, Justin Davis, and the rookie uh, Daryl Henderson that are all going to kind of mix it up. The Rams last game, I think they got like 35 yards total. So they've got a lot to do uh, to prove that they can really move the ball without these starters. And I think that's going to be a big thing as well as the O-line seeing the depth at the O-line. I talked about being a little concerned about our starting center and left guard as that's their first year. If we have an injury on the line, who is next? And I think that's the biggest question. We drafted two guys and David Edwards and Bobby Evans. Bobby Evans has not looked very good at all yet, 
but they're throwing these guys from left to right. Our our offensive line coach, Aaron Cromer, talks about if you're going to play O-line for the Rams, you're going to play four positions, and I don't care if you're comfortable or not. I'm going to throw you from left to right, from tackle to guard. I want you to feel uncomfortable so that when we need you at a certain point, you're not going to be like, I've never been here before, and I don't know what to do. So uh, I think it's really kind of a lot of those guys. And then wide receiver depth. We've got a lot of guys that I keep going like, ooh, that guy could be fun to watch. Uh, Alex Bachman, who has been a little banged up, and I feel like he's going to miss the cut just on unfortunate of being injured. But uh, Nasimba Webster has really stepped up and been exciting to watch. And, you know, Mike Thomas, a guy that was suspended for four games not too long ago for the Rams, a guy that we were really excited about, but never has really gotten that opportunity to get a run in the big league and uh, expecting him to kind of make a push. So uh, we also have Kaderil Hodge, another guy that was a special teamer last year, caught a pass in the Super Bowl uh, and really was down, you know, near six, seven on that wide receiver depth chart and is going to be making a push for it. So even though it's not the big name guys, we still got a lot to watch for as far as who's going to fill out the rest of our roster, who's going to, you know, make plays on special teams. So uh, it is interesting to look at this game and go, man, no Jared Goff. Uh, no big time starters on the other side of the ball for the Broncos, but man, it's still going to bring something because these guys are fighting for their life. And, you know, one question I want to ask you is, you know, you talked about Joe Flacco and, and the Broncos seem to be, have just kind of missed on that big quarterback sweepstakes in the last couple of years uh, and, and kind of gone for that second tier guy. And I feel like a lot of the people around the league have kind of put Joe Flacco on that second or third tier as far as quarterbacks go. He's gotten knocked around pretty hard in in uh, Baltimore. What is your expectations for him? Do you think this can be a kind of a bounce back year and a good system for Joe Flacco? How does it look for him coming into the season? Well, first off, I think in terms of the, uh, you know, the second string offensive line, third string, and even just the first string O-line, I think you described some of the problems or some concerns the Broncos have. You know, they, they were unable to run the ball against the 49ers. And outside of, you know, the starting offensive line, one of these guys goes down. I mean, the Broncos are already dealing with an injury, uh, a knee soreness with Ron Leary, a veteran guy. And, and they're trying to figure out what their team is going to look like without him there if he can't possibly go, which raises some concerns for depth. Receiver, you have a good problem with having too much depth. And uh, they're all very good players. Emmanuel Sanders looking great, especially coming off from the Achilles. He looks like he hasn't lost a step. But for Joe Flacco, this is a new system where it is predicated off a little bit of the formula that you saw where he had his best year in 2014 with Gary Kubiak. The same style of branch, the Kyle Shanahan style offense. The quick passing game, you can see a lot of play action, a lot of bootleg. And you know what? We saw a little bit of uh, excitement on Monday night where he stepped up into the pocket and he made the throws against zone coverage. He identified matchups in one-on-one man coverage. He identified where the blitz was coming. He's been relatively uh, mistake-free with the football and camp. You know, a couple times he had picks, and people want to overreact to it. But, you know, here's the thing with Broncos country. Now, there's this dilemma where, you know, if Joe Flacco throws an interception or if a ball's tipped and it's intercepted the first time, you know, fans are going to be calling for Drew Locke, which is, you know, in my opinion, one of the frustrations of, of covering the team at times because they're, the, the teams are going to struggle. Jared Goff's going to throw an interception at one point in the season. You don't have people calling for Blake Bortles to take over. So Joe Flacco, a veteran guy, Super Bowl MVP, a guy who's won big games. He's went into Foxborough in December and January. He's beaten Tom Brady. He's won a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on what this guy has done. And, and a lot of people want to confuse the narrative with Joe Flacco that he was benched and pretty much just uh, – 
outplayed by a rookie in Lamar Jackson. No, the, the, the story with that whole thing, and, and I've told this many times, Joe Flacco was playing pretty well at the beginning of the season for the Ravens. He had a little bit of a hip injury. He couldn't go one week, and that was the perfect formula for them to put in Lamar Jackson. And from the moment Lamar Jackson was drafted, there was internal pressure between the, the Ravens front office and the coaching staff on, we want to play Lamar Jackson now, but hey, you know, we still have Joe Flacco. Well, unfortunately, Joe Flacco's injury gave them a reason, and, you know, in that 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 postseason game against the Chargers, you had fans chanting for Joe Flacco because Lamar Jackson wasn't getting it going. So, you know, for a guy, it's a new start. He's the first guy in the building every single day. He seems to be picking up the offense really well. He's being a leader out there on the field. Uh, the wide receivers love the chemistry they've had with him so far. And, uh, you know, I think this could be a good year for Joe Flacco where he doesn't have to come in and throw for 4,500 yards, 40 touchdowns. He can come in and manage games, convert on third down, make the best out of red zone situations to come away with points and play mistake-free football. He didn't have to be super man and I think that's for the Broncos that's a really really good formula for what they want to do so with that I'm really excited Brad and I I know we have this this game coming up between these two teams now granted it's not as exciting on paper when you talk about the non-starters versus the non-starters but you know what it's football we get evaluate some of the young guys the depth guys the talent and the guys that could possibly be backing up some of those star talented players in the defense offensive side of the ball that's why I love preseason. Unfortunately, you know, I, it, it doesn't mean anything. And you want to avoid injuries. So with that said, I'm excited for this matchup. It's going to be fun. You guys can catch the action and you can catch a postgame report for myself at Lockdown Broncos, as well as Brad over there on the Lockdown Rams podcast. So with that said, you know, Brad, thank you so much for setting this up and having this crossover show with me. I always love getting on here and love talking football with yeah, you. Yeah, best of luck, man. Stay healthy. It's a tough division you got this year, and hopefully we get a chance to talk again, talking playoffs. So uh, best of luck, my man, and uh, we'll talk soon. Good luck on Saturday. Thanks, man. Likewise for you as well.